Welcome to In the Hot Seat with the Tenney Group. I'm Spencer Tenney. It's good to be with you. A lot of crazy stuff going on in the industry right now with AB5, and I have a very special guest to break it down for us, Paul Mello, partner at Hanson Bridget. Paul, welcome to the Hot Seat. Hey, Spencer. It's great to be on. Uh, it's really an honor to be on your on your uh, In the Hot Seat today. Uh, Hanson Bridget's been dealing with the AB5 issues out here in California for ages. As you know, uh, uh, Hanson Bridges is a full-service law firm based in California with 200 attorneys, and we've got a very large labor and employment group. And frankly, after this podcast today, I'm dealing with a class action filed against one of my transportation clients out here in this state. Um, and so, again, excited to be here uh, talking to you today about this important issue. Well, let's heat it up right there. So, um not that California has ever really been a favorable place to, to work, but obviously, how, how did we get here? Give us a little background in terms of AB5, and then we'll, and then we'll kind of talk about where we are right now. Sure. So uh, you hit it on the head. California's never really been business friendly or transportation friendly or independent contractor friendly. Um, uh, but really, the genesis of AB5 started back in 2018 when the California Supreme Court decided the dynamics case. Uh, and that was a California Supreme Court case where they basically applied or, or, or changed the standard in California for determining whether somebody is an employee or an independent contractor under our wage orders. California has various wage orders dealing with various industries, transportation industries, wage order nine. But essentially, Dynamics said, we're no longer going to rely on uh, a multi-factor test. We're going to rely on the ABC test. The ABC test is quite rigid. You are presumed to be uh, uh, an employee unless three factors are met. And those three factors are control, whether you operate in a different uh, industry than those that you're contracting with. And third, Steve Prong, whether you have an, your own independent business. And when the California Supreme Court did that in dynamics, they sent, essentially walked away from 29 years of precedent a California Supreme Court test, the Borello test, which is a multi-factor test, which you could actually uh, meet uh, independent contractor status under and said, here's the new test. And so that led to our legislature in California saying, courts don't get in front of us. Uh, let's just make it apply to everything beyond the wage orders. Um, and that's when AB5 happened. And AB5 basically said, for it, for workers' comp, for unemployment, for the labor code, everything, we're now going to apply the ABC test. And that's when California's Trucking Association jumped in and said, let's file suit. Let's try to enjoin application of AB5 to our trucking industry. Um, and they got an injunction. Um, and, and that's sort of where it started. Um, uh, and that resulted in, you know, an injunction being issued, uh, a very strong injunction being issued by a district court in San Diego, it being appealed by the state going up to our Ninth Circuit, the Ninth Circuit issuing a, uh, overturning that injunction, and then everybody going to the Supreme Court and assuming the Supreme Court would hear the case. So that's kind of the background. So we fast forward even to this week, and I'm not sure when this episode is going to air, but like just this week, Freight, uh, Freight Waves headline, lower court formally lifts injunction against AB5 in, in California trucking. Um, what does that mean for us today? Where are we at with this case and this issue that has 
you know, dramatic effects for the industry uh, in so many ways. Where, where are we at today? So again, at, at the end of June, everybody was waiting with bated breath to determine, to see whether the Supreme Court would take up this case, right? Whether they would grant cert, whether they would decide to hear the case or not. I think most legal scholars uh, thought that they would take the case up. Um, um, instead, sort of shockingly and disappointingly, they um, decided not to take the case. So that's not the end of the case, right? Instead, what it means is that it, it's going to go back to the district court. And, and Spencer, you're right. This week, again, I'm not sure when this will um, when this will run, but this week on Monday, August 29th, there was a hearing back in the district court in San Diego, and the CTA's lawyers and the Teamsters' lawyers and uh, and and counsel for the state as well as counsel for Oida had a hearing in front of the trial court. And the trial court judge did what he had to do, as he was told to do by the Ninth Circuit and the Supreme Court. He dissolved the injunction that stops the state of California from enforcing AB5. So AB5 now is really the law for trucking and transportation in California, as it currently stands. He also, on his own, uh, uh, dismissed, dismissed a prior order where he, he dismissed out from the case something called the Dormant Commerce Clause. And the Dormant Commerce Clause is something for legal nerds who argue about. And that is basically, does this particular state law interfere with interstate commerce? You're not supposed to have laws that you know, impede the ability to conduct business on a national level. Well, of course this law does that. But the judge thought, at least in the original preliminary injunction, that F4A preemption was the winning hand. And that's what he said was the reason why he issued the injunction. So where we are is it went back to the district court. A couple of issues are going to be decided. The CTA has informed the court that they will be filing another motion for a preliminary injunction. So they are going to have this law enjoined again. Uh, to do that, they are going to develop more evidence. They've said, I believe, um, in talking to counsel for CTA and communicating with counsel for CTA, as well as reading, um, it, it appears that they're going to try to brief it and file it as soon as October, sometime in October. Um, they're going to make multiple arguments, we can assume, right? They're going to argue F4A preemption still. Federal law says you can't have a state law that does it. They're going to go also back to that, uh, you know, dormant commerce clause argument and say, and it's really the same argument, this is impeding our ability to provide services, both to, both for shippers as well as uh, carriers and providers of transportation services. And so they're going to argue that up. At the same time, you know, the Teamsters intervened, um, out of the goodness of their heart, they intervened on the side of the state in the case. And OIDA is asking now to intervene on the side, uh, on the side of CTA in the case. Um, and uh, um, well, well uh, the Teamsters believe that they were, of course, uh, entitled to uh, participate in the case. And California is very supportive of them participating in the case. Neither of those parties are very interested in OIDA um, intervening in the case and being on the same side of the, the V uh, with uh, the CTA. Uh, I suspect there's going to be briefing on that. I suspect that the court will allow OIDA to intervene, um, but we're all guessing. Um, and they will join forces 
more formally with CTA in the case. Um, so there's going to be briefing on them coming into the case. There's going to be a renewed motion for a preliminary injunction. And then it sounds like the court, you know, maybe they'll file in October, but based upon what I've read and persons I've talked to, that it might not be heard actually until the beginning of the year or a decision until the beginning of the year, which really means, Spencer, that the transportation clients that you and I both service um, are stuck with AB5 um, uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, and so what do they do? Um, what do they do in the interim? Uh, and that's really the million dollar question. Yeah, so, so so let's talk about that because I, I'm sure that is a very common question that you're getting right now because for, for, for context, we're coming off of 30 months of you know, logistics, gymnastics, as far as how to operate with all of the, the challenges of COVID. You have uh, tremendous fatigue. You have an aging demographic of business owners that a lot of folks are just like, hey, this is my stepping off point. Some are saying like, hey, I love trucking. I want to do this. But if California is not going to cooperate with what allows me to be successful, how can I carve that out? And then, and then some people might look at this and say, this might be my moment to kind of lap the field. I think there's an opportunity here. So, so what are you, what are you hearing from your clients as far as the top questions um, that are most top of mind, highest concern for them? So, so for sure, the top question is, what do I do? I built a, a, a company, I built a service model on uh, the owner operator model the ability to use independent contractors, the ability to flex um, uh, demand and need. The reason why independent contractors are so important to the industry is they allow you to flex up and, and increase capacity at a moment's notice. In California, now folks should have known this was coming, right? The, the law was passed and was effective at the beginning of, of January, 2020. So people were thinking about it then and they're thinking about it now. But the question really is, what do we do and how do we manage capacity? Um, and what can we do to try to work, not around because it's the law, but how do we work within the confines of AB5? And so we're hearing multiple questions or people coming to you know, sort of that decision, what do I do next? Is now my time to step out of California? I have some clients who don't do a lot of volume in my state who are just saying, no, thank you, we're out. You know, we're, we're taking our baseball we'll, uh, and we're, we're going home, right? Um, they're just shutting down operations in California. That's one option. Uh, I have another other client saying, how can we reorganize our business regionally or statewide? I have a lot of clients that are just doing California only operations or California, New York, you know, regionalizing their businesses and so that's sort of a business solution, right? If you're figuring out, do I do it differently in California? And that can mean many things. It can mean you're setting up different entities. So your exposure thresholds for those entities is different, right? Or it could mean I'm just going to do business differently in California. I have lots of clients grudgingly because, you know, it's the fifth, sixth, seventh biggest economy in the world saying, heck, probably not heck, but for purposes of this uh, uh, communication, um, uh, 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 heck, um, uh, uh, we're just going to have to use employee drivers in California and our margins are going to be terrible 
um, but we have to service those clients in that market. And so some people are going employee only models in California. Again, not without risk, um, definitely not without economic risk. It, it, it's, it, it, it appears to be vastly more expensive and are there shipper clients are gonna do it. So that's one option. It also allows, and this sort of, again, sort of dovetails with what your business does. I've got clients that have regionalized their operations and then chosen to sell off portions of their businesses in jurisdictions that they're not fond of anymore. California, out. New York, we're selling that part of our business. New Jersey, you know, bye-bye, right? So we're seeing that. So that's one sort of series of questions. How can we restructure our business? Um, and that's definitely happened. Uh, you know, myself and other attorneys in the industry who deal with this, there's also sort of le uh, uh, other models, like just change your model for California or change your model. And, and we call it the broker model. Other firms call it the settlement carrier model, where essentially you, you create a broker and then the broker then directly contracts with your carrier company and the independent contractor carrier companies. Now, it's not as simple as that. You need to get broker authority. You need to comply with state laws if you have state laws to be a broker. You need to only work with, if you're a broker, with FMCSA authorized carriers. So they have to be real entities with real business. But it's a way to try to, um, uh, to use the business to business exception under the AB5 test. And it's, it's, not, it, 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 it's not been fully tested, Spencer, but it's a means to say, because the V-Prong says, if you're doing the same work as the company that you're contracting with, you fail the V-Prong. It's stake in the heart, right? You're done. And, and what this does is it says a broker is different from a carrier. And so it's a broker contracting with a carrier. And if you choose to do certain things and you buff it up the right way. But I have a lot of people just really regionalizing their businesses, Spencer and selling off portions of their businesses, which I probably makes your ears dance a little, but it's true. I mean, that's what we're seeing is, is they're just saying, this is not the right place for us. I don't think anybody's excited about this just because it feels like it's unnecessary, quite honestly. Like it, it, it's uh, even all the things that we're already dealing with. And, and you like, even if you comply and you switch to an employee model, like all the, the, the economic risks uh, maybe pale and compare. Well, there's still all the legal risks that come along with having employees. Like it, 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 it so like you can do all the things right and still it's a detriment to your business. So, um, not good news on that front. What, what is your sense, Paul, about the readiness? You mentioned like this has been effectively almost reality since January of 2020. Like, what is your sense of the readiness of folks to pivot into some type of new business model for those that want to continue to to operate in California? So it's all across the spectrum. Um, some people, um, some businesses, including very sophisticated businesses, chose to just wait it out and see what's going to happen, right? Um, uh, and, and didn't really have a backup plan. And then, thank goodness, CTA got their injunction, and now they're at that decision point again, right? Uh, the readiness is really a question. It's all over the map, Spencer. I have some clients who had plans in place 
uh, prior to, who started implementing the broker model uh, or had done it before for other reasons um, uh, before. And then I have other clients who are literally just, um, we, we don't have an alternative. We can't run an employee model. We don't have the business to turn it into the broker model. Um, so the level of readiness is all across the spectrum, Spencer. And it is, to your point, which is nobody's happy about this, other than plaintiff's bar, I think, and, and the Teamsters, I think you're you're entirely right. Like, I, I don't need any more clients hating my state and not wanting to be here, right? And, and that's just what's happening, and it's very frustrating, and it's, it's, it's discouraging. And I say in jest, it's great. You know, people might sell businesses. But I don't mean it. Our clients are struggling to, to have capacity and to follow all the rules anyways. And just to make this unnecessary, as you said, additional steps or game of twister to try to operate in California, it's, it's frustrating. And I, I, I hear their frustration. So, uh, so, so two last questions, Paul. Uh, you know, first, you know, this is, in, you know, uh, in, in an issue that continues to evolve. Um, so, so, what would obviously they, they, they have you as a resource? What are some, some, either um, maybe there's some writers or reporters that are doing a good job of covering this issue. What, what are some resources that you would point to that you would recommend that people stay tuned with as part of tracking this issue? So I think there's really lot, lots of good ways to get good information on this. I would follow the California Trucking Association. I think they're doing a really good job of updating their members as to what is happening. It is a really a solid organization. They, they communicate well. I, I, I am outside general counsel to the National Home Delivery Association. I know that that organization does a really good job of updating its members um, as to what's happening in this case and other legal issues. Uh, I think the ATA, the American Trucking Association, is a great place. And then there's all the good, solid transportation law firms. They, you know who they are. Of course, it starts with Hanson Bridget. Just kidding. But that, that reports on these issues. But I would follow for sure um, CTA because you're going to get the quickest, best information from them. Freight Waves is a great place to get information. That's where I would go if I was tracking this information. And you can always just do a Google search and you'll find people writing about this all the time. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Paul. Um, last question, a little bit of wild card. Now, some people might, might not know this, but you're just a very simple one stoplight guy growing up in California. So going back to your hometown, what is, what is the best place to eat in your hometown, whatever that is in California? Spencer gave my hometown too much credit. No stoplights in my hometown. Um, uh, my hometown has no stoplights to this day. It's right there in the Central Valley. It's farming and dairies, though less dairies. And when I was a kid, the best place to go was Perry's. And of course, I waited tables and bus tables there as a kid. Um, uh, now, frankly, the best food is up the road in, 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 I'm from a place called Gustine. It's called Newman. Newman has better restaurants and my mom's gonna kick me for saying that, but it's true. So. <laughs> well, listen, I, I really appreciate um, all that you do for our industry, uh, your tremendous resource, and, and I hope people will tune in this, hopefully be encouraged, but more so than that, just prepare themselves to 
adapt to what's uh, to what's happening right now and so that they can thrive and have options in the future. So thank you, Paul. That's going to do it for us in the hot seat. We will see you next time.